The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Thursday, June 18th, as we join you here in the early afternoon on the East Coast, right around lunchtime in Nashville and Chicago, uh, where my co-hosts join me right now. We've got some mail that we're going to dig into. A little bit of a, a fun, uh, you know, college football playoff national championship theme for uh, for this show and this batch of questions. A reminder that if you want to add your question to the mailbag, you can always do it by going to find the Cover 3 College Football Podcast, leave us a five-star review, uh, and include in that review your question for the mailbag. We will add it to the big old bag of mail. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are you doing, Chip? Chip, 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 everybody is on the golf grind right now. I didn't... I guess golf's going on. You got to and you got to you got to give your takes right now. Are you uh are you golf taked out? I'm not golf taked out yet, but I I need to after this uh podcast concludes, I need to get my eyes on the afternoon wave because it's like I, I could watch it from about, you know, 8 to 10, 15 this morning. You get to see some shots, get to see some swings. You load up the take cannon for 11 and 12 o'clock. I'm off for the 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock shows. But by the time I'm back on at 3 p.m. Eastern time, then at 4 p.m. Eastern time, then at 5 p.m. Eastern time, all of it on CBSSportsHQ.com. I got to make sure because, you know, those morning wave takes, those are those are long gone. We, we got to figure out what Bryson's doing out there. We got to figure out what Justin rose is doing out there lot lot to figure out uh, before the next time i get on camera chip can can golf survive without tiger woods well i'll tell you what it's uh now got two entire events last week in texas in fort worth texas at colonial country club this week at hilton head south carolina um no they test everybody no positive tests so wow. can it survive? I don't know. They're they're doing better than college football right now on the coronavirus testing scoreboard. Are you implying that Tiger would test positive? What are you saying? Oh no, I was just saying like can <laughs> can golf survive? Like golf's if if survival is a matter of public health, 
I was actually going to say that, yeah, golf's actually got this thing down to it's real socially distanced. It's as, uh, as sterile as it can be. You know, we got Ian videos of Ian Poulter getting those deep nasal swabs in there. So they've, they, of all the sports that are back out there, they're at least two events in, uh, no positive tests and a lot of frequent testing. But I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It's on CBS. Last week was on CBS. This weekend will be on CBS. So we are very, very excited. And we are going all out wall to wall coverage, uh, as we have all this space to do so. My, my last golf question before we get going here. What do you think would happen if Bryson DeChambeau learned that he could add five yards to his driving average by injecting the coronavirus? He would do it. <laughs> Barton, have you seen Is, this? Uh, no. Bryce, Bryson DeChambeau, what? a golfer, put on 30 pounds of muscle in order to increase his distance hitting the golf ball. He has told reporters he is having five to six protein shakes a day in order to keep his weight up as he goes through the long, sweaty golf rounds. And his entire focus, he's already, like Bryson DeChambeau is already a golfer who um, very much leans on his analytical approach. You ask him about what a shot was like, he was like, well, I figured that the air density was this number, and I figured <laughs> that the distance and the roll was this number. Like He gets way too, not too science forward, but definitely too science forward for most golf fans to follow him. Big, smartest guy in the room mentality. And his approach was that if I put on... 30 pounds of muscle in a year, then I will be able to become a better golfer, drive it farther. And it is, it is incredible to see the before and afters on this. Is, is it working to this point? Yes. He was doing like 350 last week. Yeah. That's, that's kind of funny that, uh, it's, it's such a, um, contrarian viewpoint in golf that if I want to hit it farther, I should just go get stronger. It's the- like, well, I mean, he's, there's been so many, there's been so many guys smoking Marlboro Reds on the golf course for so long that yes. were, you know, scratch golfers that maybe finally, uh, this guy cracked the code. Well, he's bringing like an offensive lineman mentality to this. All I need to do is get bigger and stronger and I'll be fine. What's the name of the guy that was already sort of the Jack guy on the tour. That's kind of a meathead. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of, he's been inspired by Brooks Kepka. Maybe though the interesting Brooks Kepka storyline was that uh, he lost weight for the ESPN body issue. He wanted to make sure he looked good when he got in his skinnies. And so then he got criticized by golf writers who said he's not taking golf seriously enough, losing this weight for the ESPN body issue. But isn't Brooks Kepka like the, like the muscle head of the tour? Isn't he basically just like five ten two Oh five or something? Ooh. Isn't he just like a normal dude that's a little bit, this, you know, kind of benches yeah, on the weekends? He's he's a normal dude who just loves – I don't think he just benches on the weekends. I think he really he can, loves to work out. He can actually like out. throw some weight around. Oh, he's doing box jumps down the fairway when the golf course is closed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, He's just a dude who tends to be really good at golf. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the, that's that's enough for the Cover 3 Golf Hour. Y'all ready to open up? <laughs> Cover three, more like the par three. Hey, hello. Uh, all right, let's let's dive on into this big old bag of mail. All right, this question comes from Alex. 
Hey guys, huge fan of the pod. Not only the best college football podcast, but the best podcast out there. Been listening for a few years now and loved the Saturday night instant reactions last fall. Can't wait to hashtag count them up next month. Hashtag how many games you going to win this fall? My question, in the six years we've had the college football playoff, 11 different teams have made the playoff. If history repeats itself, who would you guys pick to be the 11 teams to make the playoff in the next six years? Parentheses, assuming we don't get expansion before the 2025 season. All right, let's, first of all, let's knock out the teams we all agree on. We all agree on Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, right? Ohio Uh State, Clemson, Alabama, yes. Do we all agree on Oklahoma? Yes. Yes. Um, I I think those are the four just out mo- like totally obvious. I I would guess we all would have Georgia on our list. Is that accurate as well? I kind of think you got to. They were yes. on mine. Okay. Is that is that it for the no brainers? So that's five. That's five. Okay. And now you got Alabama out of the West, Georgia out of the East. LSU certainly could be on there, but like they're still, they're still, you know, they're still in the West. Mm-hmm. So I think there's five, and then then it's a matter of, you know, who the other six are. Um, Do you want to agree? Take, I'll, I'll, I'll go, go ahead. first. Okay. okay. Uh, I went. This is not in any particular order as much as it's just top to bottom going through a, a thing of standings. Uh, I got Texas one of my 11 that was kind of a borderline in the end but they just squeezed in i've got penn state mm-hmm. i've got oregon mm-hmm. i've got usc yes i've got florida and lsu those were the teams that made my 11 there were about seven other teams that i also considered but didn't put on in the end i've got uh, oh go texas ahead. wait texas and uh oh florida yeah mm-hmm. um Chip, how many of those? That he just named six. How many of those did you have? I think we differ on two. I don't have Texas. Oh, my my other six are Oregon, in addition to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. The my other six were Oregon, Penn State, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, and USC. Wow. Okay. Nope. Auburn and Florida State made my almost list. And so I didn't have Texas and what would be the other one, Tom, from yours that I did not have? Uh, Texas, Penn State, Oregon, USC, Florida, LSU. LSU. Yeah. You did not have LSU. I did not have LSU. They That's literally true. just won it, Chip. I know. And sometimes, like, you got to wow. go go to the back of the line. Wow, Chip Patterson, LSU is a fraud. That's what Chip said. Okay, so our consensus now is up to nine. So, because I also had Penn State, Oregon, USC. Oh, no, our consensus is up to just eight because you didn't have LSU. All right. So, uh, I also had Penn State, Oregon, and USC. USC was my last one to go in. Um, I just sort of, it, it, part of it is like I don't even necessarily have a ton of confidence that a Clay Helton USC team will get in, but I, f- I feel like either that's going to happen or a coaching change would happen. And if a coaching change happened, I think USC could be a rocket ship pretty quick. So 
It's, I did it's, squeeze it's, USC in. It's like I'm the so, closing speed. That's my argument for USC. The closing right. speed of where USC is now to end the college football playoff is very, very fast. So, Chip, if I may cross-examine you, like, so you think you think Auburn in the next six years more likely than LSU out of the West? I, I think that some of that might be from uh, zooming out and considering that in the last decade, in 2010, they were national championship national champions. In 2013, they were in the BCS national championship game in a position to win. In 2017, they were the SEC West champions, losing to Georgia and then missing out on the college football playoff. It just seems to me that that's a, that is a few different cycles up that is reoccurring um, – Every, you know, every couple of years or so, you're popping up and you've got a team that is going to be right there in the mix. And I think that while LSU's surge in, you know, closing that distance between being a nine-win team and, and being 12-0, and 0, like that was incredible and may have raised the, the floor for LSU. I just still think that from a, a 10-year perspective, it just feels like Auburn has cycles up and gets a little bit closer uh, across the last decade. That's surprising to me. I, I, I have LSU in my list. Um, so I, my, my, our consensus, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Penn State, Oregon, USC. I, I would add LSU to that list for me. Um, and here's one that neither of y'all have, which I'm really surprised by. Uh, you guys don't think Notre Dame is going to get in there again in the next six years? Oh. I came down to the last spot was between Texas and Notre Dame. And I went with... Texas simply because I feel like they can afford a loss and still get in if they win the Big 12, whereas Notre Dame is in that position where I feel like unless it's undefeated, it's probably not getting in. Yeah, I, I feel I feel fairly – like Oregon, Notre Dame is one of my um, like more I, – I thought that would be like one of the consensus that all three of us had. Like I just think Notre Dame, they're, they're too consistent right now under Brian Kelly – they are their schedule is difficult certainly but it just, i don't know it feels like there's something some some something built for uh the long haul right now going on in terms of their and if you're close every year you're going to get you're just going to get in again one of these times it's just going to it's going to hit right for you so i think Notre Dame is is one and then so my last spot uh, I toyed because I have LSU too. And then my last spot, I Oklahoma for sure out of the Big 12. It, it was really hard for me to pull the trigger on another Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. And, I, and ultimately, I didn't. So I left Texas out. I definitely acknowledge Texas could get in. But I don't, I just can't, like, I don't really trust them. And if it doesn't happen with Tom Herman, then all right, there's going to be some sort of coaching turnover, and like there's going to be some sort of like big to do about the culture needing to be fixed once again, you know, for the fourth straight coaching hire or whatever it is. And I just I could see I could see us going six more years. It's 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 weird to think that for basically twelve years straight, no Big Twelve teams other than Oklahoma get in because that would be what 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 I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the list, it's my I, I, certainly I'm tempted to throw Oklahoma State in there, 
but I think you're just threading the needle then. I still think Oklahoma State either gets in this year, like this is a, this is their Utah window from last year. Utah had their window last year. They missed it. Oklahoma State's got their window this year. I think if it gets in, that's one of the, you know, hypothetical 11. But if it doesn't get in this year, then I don't have a whole lot of confidence in anybody else outside of Texas contending. Do you guys? Is there any other Big 12 team you would be tempted by? No. No. And Oklahoma and Texas were the only two I even considered. And, I, and I'm with you on the Texas where it, I believe that Big 12 championships are likely for Texas. But the margin for error that is in the college football playoff discussion, it would be one of those situations where the Longhorns win the Big 12, but because they lost to Iowa State or Texas Tech earlier in the season, they're going to end up being left out. It is the Oregon losing to Arizona State sort of factor in that. And I don't think it's crazy for you to consider that Oklahoma is the only Big 12 team that you're going to consider Oklahoma has won 13 Big 12 championships. They have awarded a Big 12 championship every year. You know, Big 12, big picture, relatively new, has only existed in its current form going back to 1996. 13 Big 12 championships for Oklahoma. Texas, with the second most, has three. So if the Big 12 championship scoreboard is Oklahoma 13, Texas three, and then Baylor, Kansas State, Nebraska with two, nobody else with more than one, then it's not wild to play forward the next six years and assume that the only team from that conference that is going to be in the mix is going to be the Sooners. Yeah, whether it's football or basketball, the Big 12 has not been the most, you know, with the most parity in its conference champions in its sports. It's Oklahoma in football, it's Kansas in basketball. The teams that I also considered that didn't make my 11 besides Notre Dame in no particular order are Florida State, Michigan, Washington, Auburn, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Michigan's a good one. Yeah, yeah I, I considered them, but there were other teams I thought I feel like have a better shot based Who on Who were the last know. two you said? Uh, Tennessee and A&M. Oh, Tennessee and A&M, yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Like I, I also think with A&M, like with your Auburn pick, Chip, I think you could make a case. I don't know. Auburn's probably the the um, more scientific, more analytical, correct answer than A&M. But you could certainly make a case that A&M out of the West is, is heading in the right direction on that front too. What about Florida yeah. State? No, lo- no love for uh, buying in on – because with Florida and Florida State, we've got – New, we've got coaching changes. Dan Mullen, obviously, ahead of Mike Norvell. But you've got national championship winning programs, both with their eyes set on making the college football playoff. I guess Florida State has made it once. They made it in the inaugural year in 2014. But I I, I see both of those as being a, a pretty quick course correction to contention. So I, I was close with Florida State. Um, I think they'll get back under Mike Norvell and, and I honestly, I don't know, may, maybe the, the argument is there'll be more than 11 teams in the next six years. And, and I would be tempted to squeeze Florida state in, in that case. But so my, my, my 11, I've named 10 of them, Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Penn state, Oregon, USC, LSU, Notre Dame. No one, no one has mentioned my 11th team. Any, any guesses? Illinois. <laughs> Washington. Oh no. Yeah, Washington. 
Tom mentioned Washington. I mentioned oh, yeah. Washington. Chip, you don't have a guess here? Kentucky. Mm. Oh, Chip. Miami. Chip. Chip. North Carolina. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I was just reading. Names. Uh I so all right, the when you look at the eleven, right, in the previous six years, it's 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 a pretty much like a who's who with I would say one of these things is not like the other in in Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right? So I, I wanted to put one one of these things is not like the other in there. And I think North Carolina I, I don't know, I'm a little bit getting I guess I'm I hope I'm not getting too far over my skis. I, I don't want to make any grand predictions for this season for North Carolina. I think it's probably just going to be an improved year. They'll be pretty good. They'll be a team to reckon with. But I don't think there's going to be some like wild breakthrough. But I, I just, I think when you talk about the recruiting, Mac Brown has been there before. The more I, the more I think about it, the more I, I believe I had did undersell Mac Brown in our coach rankings. Um, because he does have this thing clicking from a program <clears throat> just sort of efficiency standpoint. Like things just seem to be aligned heading in the right direction. They're recruiting really well. They have their quarterback now who's going to be here for two more years who's very good. So they're going to be competitive because of their quarterback play. They have their quarterback of the future committed who will be a freshman in 2021, Drake May, who's a stud. So there's like a, a, a there'll be a quarterback lineage there. And if this year's recruiting efforts are any indication, they should continue to recruit well. They're in the ACC. It's just Clemson. So I feel like there's there's reason to believe North Carolina is is pacing really well towards more than just being uh, a cute little basketball school that's got a football team. Mm. You know, you know what you know what the window is. Twenty twenty one. Because it'll that? be it'll be Sam Howell's junior season. Yep. Clemson will not have Trevor Lawrence anymore, and they got DJU. But maybe maybe DJU is not Trevor Lawrence. Maybe he you know takes some time. They op- Clemson opens the 2021 season with Georgia, so that could be a regular season loss. So let's say they lose that game, they still win the Atlantic, they get to the ACC title game where they're playing a North Carolina team who they did not play in the regular season. And North Carolina pulls off the upset is like a one loss ACC champion. Clemson has two losses. Maybe that puts the Tar Heels in as like a four seed. And and if I might, like posture this hypothetical here. What if North Carolina emerges as not just a Michigan State? They snuck in with the the chips falling the right way one year. Like I, I do think. If we are trying to identify a potential budding Clemson, you could make a case that it's it's North Carolina because what, what the the thing that has springboarded Clemson as quarterback play it was it was Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. I there is a case to be made right now that the Sam Howell to Drake May quarterback. Like, what if I told you that Drake May is 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 going to be a number one pick? Does like how does that how does that impact the way you view Clemson in like twenty twenty three? I I mean I I'm saw, sorry I, North Carolina. Well, I, I saw I saw a number two overall pick go eight and five. 
Hey, <laughs> like, I'm saw, right here. I dude. saw I saw a number two overall pick uh, lead a Sun Bowl team. So I I don't I don't think I think that you know we we talk a lot about uh, the quarterback play and its importance on conference and national championship contention here on this podcast. Shout out to the Mavericks and the bus drivers. By the way, did you see that comment on Twitter? Said uh, Chip drafted like a bus driver. Barton drafted like a Maverick. Ooh, that stung. Uh, no, I, I don't think that the quarterback play alone is going to be able to do it. And I think that I, I think. Right, okay. So, so then, then I'll, 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 I'll support it with this then. Like they have like, let's in the 2021 class right now, they have uh, two of, I'd say the top, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, but like two of the top say seven defensive linemen in the country committed. So and they have a, a crop of four stars in a historic year in the state of North Carolina. It's a good class. It's going to probably be a top ten class, but they but including in, in the class is as my phone's ringing. Included in the class is defensive line, elite defensive line talent, which is how you so, build out uh, championship contenders. I agree. Right. So does that like again like I don't I don't want to make it just that oh let's imagine a world where Drake May is the best quarterback in the country. I guess what I'm saying is like that could be part of the this that could be the the cherry on top of what's a really talented roster already. Here here's where I can't compute the idea of North Carolina becoming, you know, the next Clemson. And Chip, we've talked about this before. I can't I can't picture anybody wearing that color blue being a powerhouse in anything. <laughs> could you imagine anyone wearing that color orange? Yeah, with Clemson. Yeah, with that color, like the Argyle. It's not exactly and that. like a traditional color scheme at Clemson either. <laughs> I feel. I just can't picture North Carolina being a powerhouse in football, and I know that you could couldn't really you could make the same argument that you couldn't seen it with Clemson. It's just something about those colors. Where I'm like, nah, they, those colors are going to hold them back somehow. <laughs> there would need to be. Um, there, there wouldn't need to be, but I, I think that there would need to be a transformational 2020 season to set up 2021 in uh, in 2022 in a way that really levels up the program uh, because this will be the ultimate test. When when I was on campus, I remember like being ranked in the top 25 created some buzz, and that you know mentality still is kind of around like, Oh, do you, you see, we got a tiny little number beside our names. That's sweet. Like you, you gotta have uh you gotta, you gotta have the, your, your target, you, your target has to be a little bit tighter. You gotta, gotta be a little bit more confident about the ceiling and not just happy with the floor. Like the football season can't just be a good social activity to get you to the basketball season. Like there, there, there would have to be some sort of like, fundamental foundational commitments that are made to really being championship quality in football because what Dabo Sweeney has done runs to the university president. It runs to the athletic director. It runs through all their IPTE. I, I pay 10 a year. Like it, it is so like in that upstate South Carolina community where every single person is committed to the idea of Clemson football success, and I, uh, I can lovingly question whether that similar commitment exists around North Carolina athletics right now. 
All right. I, All right. I would love it. Good. I good for I business. I would be there if they wore a darker blue. No, I mean, well, it hasn't worked out for Duke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got decades of evidence that suggests that. <laughs> I right. mean, if they wore like, like the same kind of blue that you know, like, I don't know, like a navy blue. You've well, got Auburn on your list. What if they wore like an Auburn blue? Well, the, I mean, the thing is, is like that blue also like fits really well with that same color blue Oxford shirt, you know? Yeah. And then you yeah. just, it's like, what are you doing? I don't know. Going to cocktail hour. I wear this Oxford shirt, unbutton a couple buttons, unbutton a couple more by the third quarter, sweat <laughs> a little bit, spill on it. It's a social event. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. This question is from Chris. Who will be the next team to win their first national championship? I'll throw my own rule that you can't repeat answers so that all three of y'all don't say Oregon. Great show. Thanks for the content. Oregon. <laughs> well, we just had a long, <clears throat> just, just uh, refer back to our conversation we just had. Oh, my team wasn't in the, oh, my team was not one of our 11. No, I'm saying my team is the Tar Heels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> National championship. I mean, this is, this is escalating many, quickly. How many teams haven't won a national title that, you know, cause all right, I can, I can is there like a time frame here? Or? So you, so your team is not one of your 11. So you think, so who's your team then? Wisconsin. So you think I, Wisconsin well, is going to win a national championship? I think Wisconsin is going to win a national championship before a South Carolina, before a North Carolina, before a Mississippi State, before a Texas Tech, before an Arizona, before a Washington State, before a Boston College, before a West Virginia. Virginia Tech was another one that I had on there under consideration. I think Purdue is interesting, but I don't think that they're national championship. Louisville, I mean, you're still kind of building that thing up. A national championship run would be kind of wild. Yeah, I think that there's maybe like five or six schools at the Power Five level that have been successful, that have flirted with like top five, top ten kind of contention. But Wisconsin's been in Rose Bowls. Wisconsin's been stringing together double-digit wins. The gap between the consistency of Wisconsin and winning a national championship, even as I did not pick them as one of the 11 teams to make the college football playoff at all. I realize that I guess that seems like uh, you know, crossing the wires a little bit, but I, f I treated them as different conversations. And I just thought that that was, that seemed a little bit more realistic. I mean, Wisconsin sh recently has shown up to the big 10 championship game, 13 and zero, or 12 and zero, and with a chance to be able to make the college football playoff. So there, that's my pick. I, 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 I don't think it's wrong. I think that it's kind of it's not all that dissimilar of a situation as what we talked about with Penn State when we were doing the Sean Clifford question last week. And it's like, okay, when you get to the playoff, it's one thing, but to win the national title, you've got to beat two elite teams. And I feel like Wisconsin, just based on what they have, you can make the argument whether like they, you know, recruit an unheralded or undernoticed like three star quarterback or even a four star who develops into a really good QB then yeah, he can raise the ceiling and put them in a position to get there. And then if they get there, maybe everything else works well enough 
that they could win two of those games, or maybe they get like a grad transfer kind of like they did with Russell Wilson. So I don't think it is out of question. And considering the limited number of teams we have to choose from in this situation, I think it's perfectly defensible. But Oregon, 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 Oregon. So my my answer is North Carolina. But I'm curious if we like if there's a way of looking at this in terms of how the landscape of college football can or might change in uh, an NIL world, in a transfer world, in a potential you know marketing rich climate like. Is there a is there someone that we aren't thinking of that could suddenly develop a, a an advantage based on where they're located, their their program, their their donors, or something uh, that could you know give them give put them into blue blood status where they otherwise may not have been? Anybody come to mind? I would the go ahead. Would the Under Armour connection at Maryland help them? Could. I think would so this actually doesn't fit with what you were saying, but I thought that Boise State would be an interesting consider school to consider. As far as just like they might um, jump into a Power Five conference at some point. Yeah, and just all of a sudden, like there's just so much tradition there um, that you could, you know, if if they string it all together, they if they win the they've had undefeated seasons right like they've they have had uh, outside of their strength of schedule the wins they needed for championship contention they finished number two in the country i think in a final ap poll but at the same time you know lack oh and they do have a fcs national championship from 1980 but we're talking about fbs titles here going back to the last question did any of us have a group of five team on our lists no i had cincinnati as a uh, Oh, um, for the playoff. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I thought about for, for in terms of a different climate, media market opportunities, the, the NIL situation, you know, I just sort of thought in my head, what if, what if Rutgers could, could get, get hot and, and New York's big 10 team, you know, and then, then I, but, I realize they are, in fact, disqualified because, as we all know, they did win a national championship back in 1869 <laughs> with a one-and-one record by splitting. They, they split the votes with, with Princeton, both one-and-one, one sharing that 1869 national championship. So they had a home-and-home, and, home, and that was Hang the first the season? <laughs> they had a home-and-home, home, I think, yeah. What about Boston uh, College? If you're gonna- Boston College? Nah. I don't know about that one. Uh, Georgia Tech? I guess Georgia Tech's got a national championship. Yeah, that would be a good one if they didn't have one. Um, uh, does TCU have a national championship? I, oh, I don't think so. But let me see. They have a they have a national championship in 1935. And oh, they do, yeah. Was that like uh, Sammy Baugh world? Dutch Meyer. Two, two. That's that's older than that, isn't it? They beat they beat Carnegie Tech in 1938. They beat Carnegie Tech in the Sugar Bowl, 15 to seven. 
in in the nineteen thirty five Sugar Bowl, they beat LSU three to two. Oh man, I wish oh. you could have seen that game. <laughs> That's bru- led, brutal. Led by the quarter- one time I was on the over. Damn it. Led by quarterback Davy O'Brien, namesake mm-hmm. uh, of the Davy O'Brien Award. I knew there was some some name that was associated with those guys. Two, Davey O'Brien and two-time Davey O'Brien award winner, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe, Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, so I guess TCU's eliminated because I was thinking about that Dallas-Fort Worth market, Los Angeles, UCLA, and USC have national championships. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would be, you know, in the NIL era, I'm going to say I don't think it's specifically media markets. I think that you would need to – it could be just as valuable to have – passionate built-in donor base yeah. yeah that's that's the point i was going to make with like you when you were talking about boise i think that not so much the size of the market as much as the importance of a program in the market like i think if you go to a small market like boise where that is the show you could probably you know there's probably going to be a lot of attractive options from an il standpoint for even the smaller schools as long as they are the big fish in the small pond i think there's going to be plenty of opportunities available Scott Frost, I believe, is trying to get on the forefront of encouraging the NIL era and and having a program that helps facilitate and present resources to players in order to allow them to capitalize on that. And when I think about a local community, you know, Lincoln ain't a big media market, but that whole daggum state has people that are willing to invest time, money, and resources in Nebraska football. Got to get that runs of money. Well, and, and also, I think that there's there's going to be we could have a whole show about like potential nil implica- implications of you know future of college ball and recruiting. But the 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 programs like Tennessee that have just massive like social media presence, I think the reality is if you can just build a player's follower count, that's pretty meaningful in a way that it used to be just sort of vanity now now it's it could actually mean dollars um and so the programs that have that sort of social media presence within their fan base in a in like an overwhelming way uh, uh could be at a major advantage listen mrs simmons if you send your son to us not only will we grow the man and help him get an education <laughs> But we will make sure that he becomes an influencer in the social media world, able to sell trips to the Maldives, skin creams, anything his heart desires. Boy, sir, if you commit right now, I'll send this text 3,000 more followers in the next hour coming your way. It's true. It's, you laugh, but I, I think it's true. Like, I think it that, is. That's gonna, there's going to be like real conversations. Yes. Mm, can't wait. Coming up on the other side. Is the national championship overrated? We'll dig in next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This next question comes from Sean. Uh, all, I've always loved the show and found myself singing Count 'em Up and, a lo- and doing the Dino drop much too often. But your shows on the racial, racial reckoning in NCAA football were truly special. I respect you guys a ton for confronting those topics head on and doing so with aplomb. My question is, is the national championship overrated? I heard this concept on another show, hated it at first, but now have come around to the idea. In this sport, only about 10 to 12 programs have a realistic shot of ever winning a title. Does, quote, the path to the playoff discussion that inevitably covers most of the top 20 throughout the year overly dominate the discourse? The laser focus on who makes the top four is at the expense of a lot of fun storylines and great players on seven and five or eight and four type squads. These teams will never win a title, but they have all the drama, weirdness, and characters that make college football the greatest sport. I fear that the move to the 18 playoff will make the playoff discussion even more overbearing, and I fear we will lose focus on college football's middle class. One million percent. I've, I've gone on this rant a number of times. I think I will. I, I know the the playoff drives viewership, it drives ratings, and it drives a lot of eyeballs to stories. It is the most popular aspect of college football by far. The numbers all reflect that. But I do think that it is extremely overrated from my standpoint because personally, I enjoy watching a Tuesday night Mac game between Akron and Buffalo just as much as I enjoy watching the national title game. Winning the national title to me is important in the sport and it's significant for the team and it's not something that I dismiss as being meaningless because it does mean a lot. But for me personally, there is so much about this sport that I care about more or on the same level of as who's won the national title. Hell, half the time I don't remember who won the national title in a given year. So exhausted by the time the national championship comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, I've I've got a thought on this, but Barton, I'll let you take a crack. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think that's like the, I, I I hope that we do we we put I think are this podcast efforts in not just getting wrapped up in, in strictly the national championship race i mean that's i think we would all agree with that that like that there is a lot more exciting fun things to talk about beyond the national championship and so we try to to highlight some of those things and and talk about the things that we're interested in too so we'll we'll try to continue to to shift that narrative um i i think even the conversations we've been talking about in terms of like who's the next team to win a national championship um and how there's so few options and uh it, i think that shines light on the idea that the idea of competitive balance is a farce when we talk about our the current setup. Like there's already like there's already no competitive balance. Right. Think things can't they're not going to get any worse if if somehow kids can be paid or you know money influences where kids go to schools because it's already absurd in that sense. And so um, I, I I am I am all about the Buffalo Bulls and. Uh, <laughs> My my guy Lance Leopold and 
you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna follow them throughout the year, regardless of win, lose, or draw. So you can have your national championships. You know, I have seen two instances now. I, I shared one with you guys, but there are now two instances where both Illinois and ECU are in on the same kid. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like oh no, what do I want to happen? <laughs> I, the the weird thing is you probably want him to go to ECU because you know ECU's got to close the gap faster. <laughs> I know I know where your heart's at. Uh, yeah. I number one from the fans' perspective, it it is like just the one school fan perspective. It's about winning your home games, beating your rival, and going to a bowl game. And the college football season can pretty much be tracked with the ups and downs of whether those things are happening, whether you're on track to be in a bowl game, even if you don't even plan to go to the bowl game, like that is such a, a, a definitive marker, especially with, you know, 500, six wins, six and six being the cutoff right there. And I think that in those little pods, uh, you're, you're right in that there are so many fun storylines, players, results, and games that do get lost within the national conversation. I will be like, I'm willing to forgive the big national conversation because one, we're only college football and we're existing at the NFL with the NFL going on at the same time. So you're, you're already fighting against that. And number two, you can only put but so much into an hour show on television. You know, you you have to distill things uh, into the most bite-sized pieces. And I'm I'm appreciative that we do have fans who've reached out to us and said we listen to the podcast because you guys don't just uh, drool over Alabama and Clemson the whole time. And I think that one of the reasons that we're able to do that is because of the Locks show. And I think that as sports gambling continues to be legalized across the country, that is going to be the avenue where we're going to see uh, a separate college football conversation. It's always existed, right? Like there's there's always been the national college football junkies who exist in SEC country but know way too much about Big Ten injury reports. But I think that as that continues to grow and as more people continue to jump on uh, the experience of a friendly wagers on college football games that are on TV, like I, I do think that there is a place for that. It is not going to replace the national championship and college football playoff conversation, but that is one way that you find yourself, like instead of watching the nationally televised eight o'clock game, you're watching the Pac-12 network in standard definition. Like that is how you're starting to pick up on some of the weirdness and some of the stuff that's happening that only becomes memes and you really start to latch on to it. So as sports legalized sports gambling continues to grow and as more people continue to to show up to the degenerate table and download the locks show, I think you will find that both the national championship conversation and another one that highlights what's going on with these seven and five and eight and four teams can exist at the same time. And I do think, I mean, there are people who probably only pay attention to the sport from a playoff perspective. Like they watch the better teams to see who's happening and that's fine. But I will say that if you do do that gambling or gambling or not, whether you consider it, I think you're missing out on a lot of what makes college football fun 
if you only have like that narrow perspective of watching teams that are competing for a national title. Like I think there's a lot that you're missing if you aren't watching the teams that maybe, you know, are just struggling to get to six and six so they can go bowling. You so st- become a degenerate. <laughs> yes. That's 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 how you enjoy college football. I do think like baseball probably has survived due to fantasy baseball until mm-hmm. today it's dead now boom baseball's right. done now baseball is is no longer alive Canceled. But, but yeah i think um come join us come join us in the pool uh it's fun in here betting on games yeah but like like you just said like with fantasy baseball and chip you're talking about with gambling i think that we're finally it's coming out in the open just how important whether it's fantasy sports or gambling how important they are to keeping people interested in the sports <laughs> But I've got I've got friends who are North Carolina graduates who might have been sort of uh, you know fifty fifty like down to watch whatever games on like might rather watch the Carolina game who are, who are asking to to flip it. Hey, hey hey can we get it on ESPNU Yeah I've been fading South Florida all season Let's let's go ahead and get it <laughs> yeah. over there Like that's uh, that's the good stuff Like that's when you really start to dig in. <laughs> Of course, we would never do that now because I'm a USF uh, lifer. Uh, Team Jeff Scott, go Bulls. Let's go. Yeah, so is the fade USF principle dead? Oh, I think it's a ride USF is, principle. Yeah, I mean, the fade UF, USF principle is... Charlie Strong. Is, it's, yeah, I mean, breaking it's news, USF, USF is trying to fade Charlie Strong's buyout pretty hardcore, according to stories that are coming out while we've been recording. Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, shout out to uh, billable hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, they all- need a, if they need a couple extra coins to get that thing done, we can send them their way based on the, the fade UCF USF principle. That's right. Uh, all right. Here we go. This one's from Kyle. Uh, great show. My question is a multi-part question. First, who would you pick as a non-quarterback to win the Heisman? Then my follow-up question is what would said person's numbers have to look like to take home the trophy? For example, I continue to think that Jalen Waddle could be considered, but given the state of modern college football, he'd probably have to put up Jamar Chase or Michael Crabtree numbers and return three or four punts for touchdown. Is that even enough to win the award with the stats quarterbacks put up now? Let me know your thoughts and keep up the great work. I mean, I I think – the the one name the like the name that comes to mind not to continue to harp on this team but Chuba Chuba Hubbard yeah <laughs> yeah that's because if if Oklahoma, let's say Oklahoma makes it to the playoffs uh, and Chuba Hubbard rushes for two thousand yards he will have been emerged as such a big name on such an important team on such a um, on, on such a consequential team that you would have a pretty good shot, I would imagine. That was the name that I had. Um, I, I thought about Micah Parsons, the old defensive Heisman play, no. but he would have to be running kicks. You're asking about kind of numbers. He would have to be running kicks back and also be short yardage, goal line, touchdown running back in that scenario. I think They could potentially gimmick him into it. Yes. I, I agree. If they really like, they would have to kind of sell out for it. Like they'd have to, they'd have to get him a touch, like just to help his stats. They'd have to get him a touchdown pass. They'd have to, you know, they have to ru- do a lot of edge rush stuff for him so you get a few sacks. They'd have to, you know, yeah, it'd be nice to get a 
60-yard kick return somewhere along the way that he could throw in his highlight film. I agree, but it would take a lot of uh, buy-in from the coaching staff. Right, he would have to get 11 tackles and a rushing touchdown per game. I, I'm on the record saying, I mean, it's Chuba Hubbard could. I think that's not a bad take at all. I just, I think a wide receiver is going to win a Heisman before the next running back does. I just think that's the way the sport is going. That's the way the sport is evolving. I think running backs, kind of like we've seen in the NFL, are becoming more and more fungible at the college level. And so that because of that, if I was going for like this year, I would take a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith, a Jalen Waddell, or a Rondale Moore before I took a running back. Mm. Rondell think- Moore would have to have also special teams. Like mm-hmm. Rondell Moore's numbers would have to be better than Devontae Smith's numbers because Devontae Smith would be doing it for a team that we, is playing for higher stakes than Purdue. Yeah. But it's just it's just so hard to for the receiver to outshine the quarterback. Is. Even when we know even when we know that the receiver is the dude, the quarterback is 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 still the guy that gets sort of all the all the love. It I mean, is, but Rondale Moore is also the star name. Like we don't even know who Purdue's quarterback is right now. Rondale's different. I see I'm thinking Jamar Chase. I'm thinking Jamar Chase may be like the second best player in college football. But mm-hmm. He's. It's just hard for me to envision Jamar Chase, even if he has a, you know, sixteen hundred yard season. Uh, he'll still be, you know, Miles Brennan will still be sort of splitting the vote with him a little bit. Um, Rondo Moore, it actually is a little bit different. It would just take Purdue being ten and two or something crazy. But but Rondo, if if that happened and Purdue had a a a, a really good season. The different ways they use Rondell Moore would give him a shot because if you returning punts, returning kicks, uh, handing the ball off on jet sweeps, you know, catching the ball down the field, like he would, he does so many things that uh, to me he would have a, a shot. What about Najee Harris? I don't see it. Okay, well, so since two thousand, the only non-quarterback Heisman Trophy winners have been Reggie Bush, Mark Ingram, and Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. That's but with the slight exception of maybe Derrick Henry, those guys are different era. Um, and even Derrick Henry was like a that was a that was like a a swan song to the era where you could sort of pound your way to a national championship. Um, also, you can make the argument he didn't deserve to win it that year. <laughs> yeah, who, who who's going to get the thirty? You know, again, like. Derrick Henry, yeah, I think that's a that's an argument for maybe Chuba. 2015 Heisman Trophy voting. Christian was, McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Baker, I mean, Derrick Henry got it, and Derrick Henry's obviously proven to be an unbelievable football player. Christian McCaffrey, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Keenan Reynolds, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. All those running backs. Jeez. I mean, Henry had a better year than a lot of those other names. So I'm saying Christian McCaffrey just, he had the touchdowns, and that's really what kind of pushed him ahead of McCaffrey. And then there's, you know, Deshaun and Baker. Yeah. Deshaun probably should have won it. Well, McCaffrey probably would have won it if he was in a different market, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think if McCaffrey had McCaffrey been exposed to the nation on a more regular basis for not just what he was, you know, doing as a running back, but for what he was doing for everything for that Stanford offense. I mean, people have discovered who Christian McCaffrey is now that he's in the NFL. It's like, well, he was the same dude at Stanford. Right, right, right. No, he's he's always been good, y'all. 
He's always been good. He was just on the Pac-12 network in standard definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, thank you so much to all of your, uh, all of you, the listeners, for your contributions uh, to the big old bag of mail. You can submit your question for a future mailbag episode by going to find the Cover 3 College Football Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. In that review, include your question. You can always follow us on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast for the show. You can follow him at Martin Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.